Good morning. Your Bible, open to Psalm 74. 74. Appreciate our worship very much. Um, I love the way uh, that this church worships. I love the spirit of this church. And uh, while we may not be many in in physical number, uh, that doesn't prohibit us from worshiping. That doesn't stop us from giving everything that that we have to God. And I, I love the word. Of, of that last song that the, the glory of God goes beyond all things. And this has been this has been a tough week in our nation. It has been a, just an absolutely difficult, difficult, trying week. And I so much appreciate uh, Doug what, what you had to say during our, our call to worship. It is on the minds and the hearts of, of everyone, uh, and I think that for the church to remain silent on these issues would be a travesty. And so, um, I don't think we can do that. I think we must speak into our times. I think if we were not supposed to do that, we would not be here. And so, this has, uh, this has been a tough week. It has been one that has been filled with bloodshed. A week in which violence has affected our nation deeply. And in a day and an era, era of, of instant information social media, we are more and more aware of the hatred and the evil and the injustice that surrounds us. I mean, it's, it's there at, at our fingertips, you know. It's there when we, we open a phone and you, you see a reminder. It's there, you know, we no longer have to turn on our, our televisions to see the news. We just, we pick up our phone or we go to our computer and, and, and social media seems to be the avenue that, that carries news faster than anything else in the world. Right, wrong, or indifferent. And so we've, been just surrounded by all of these things. And it threatens to invade our lives without a moment's notice. And I don't know about you, but the, the events, the events of, of this past week, have, I think they have left us shaken. I think they have left us scared. I think they have left us angry. I think they have I think they've left us confused. I, I have a text prepared for this morning. And perhaps we'll get to it. But I must say that it's always difficult. It's always a, a difficult task to, to preach after weeks like this. Because there is a, a, a tension there. And there is a tension that, that I must strive to, to live in. I must do my best to, 
understand and emphasize with, with all sides. And there are, there are people on all sides. I must abhor racial injustice and inequality and lament and condemn senseless acts of retaliatory violence. It's difficult to preach because I must navigate and, and monitor all of my emotions. I must keep all of you in, in front of me as, as I prepare to speak. I must choose my words carefully and with wisdom. I must season them with, with salt and peace. I must make sure that I speak for God and not for myself. It's difficult to preach after a week like this. I must love my neighbor as myself. But I also must love my enemy. Which means that I must love speak out for the oppressed. But it also means that I must pray for the oppressors. I must love the, the victims and, and pray for their families, but it also means that I must do the same for those who resort to violence in, in any form. I must recognize that Black lives do matter. That Latino lives matter. That white lives matter. That gay lives and straight lives matter. That believing and atheistic lives matter. That lives of every color and every stripe matter to God. And as such, they better matter to me if I'm going to call myself a Christian and a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I must consider the biblical truths that are, are, are bound up in, in tragic events such as the, the sanctity of, of human life and the, the sin of murder that Jesus spoke out against in Matthew 5, 21 and, and, and 22. Or the truth that God knows, God knows about lives that we deem not worthy of life. Genesis 4, 1 through 10, James 5, 1 through 6. I must consider the biblical that speaks of the unity of the church as the global people of God. That Revelation chapter 5 and Ephesians 2 and Galatians 3 speak of. I must consider the need for the church to bear one another's burdens. Read about that in Galatians 2. I must consider the truth about the 
for the, the mandate of, of justice to be impartial from Proverbs 17, 15. Or the good calling of the authorities responsible for public safety and order from Romans 13, 1-7. And I must consider the biblical truth that Jesus came to set free the, oppo- the oppressed, to preach good news to the poor, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke 4, 18 and 19. These are the things that I must not only remember, but also put into practice. And that is why it is difficult to preach after weeks like the one we have just experienced. Yet I'm not the only one who must remember and and do these things. Each of you who call yourself Christian must do the same. You know, it can be it can be difficult to be a Christian in our world sometimes. Can it not? I mean, if we're totally honest, it can be difficult. I don't think Jesus ever said it was going to be easy. I don't think he intended it to be easy. But I think he intended it to be the better way. The more perfect way. We must remember the the counter-cultural witness of the church. That in times like this, in times of, of tragedy, in times of pain, in times of of evil and injustice, that the the church must be a source of light in its community. That's what our call is from God. And so many times, if we're not careful, and and, and again, this is pointing at me first, if we're not careful, we can let our own pride get in the way. We can let our own feelings cloud the bigger picture. And if I don't guard my words, if I don't guard what, uh, my, my actions, if I am not mindful of, of my feelings, then I can end up saying things and doing things that, that damage the witness for Christ in a time when our society desperately needs people to stand up for Jesus. And to offer a a cup of cold water in his name. In a time of national disunity, God has called the church to model unity. So we ask ourselves a question at this point. How are we as a church, how are we doing at this point? Does our church... Does our church look like the people in our mission field that surrounds us? Are we monoethnic, ethnic, or are we multi-ethnic? I want our church. I want our church to look like our community. To look like the people that surround us. 
I want the people that surround us to become a part of us, to, to join us. And that's why we must maintain our witness in these present times of evil. It is so important when, when, when hatred is spoken that we counter it with love and grace and mercy. That's, that's how the church will stay relative in this time. That's how the, the church will meet needs in this time. In a time of fear, God has called the church to be courageous. Many are fearful that fearful that the violence that we have seen is a, a sign of a fracturing American social fabric, and, and that may well be. But even so, we must remember and live out the truth that we are a part of a social order that transcends and will even outlast the American one because our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3. We can pray for our country with concern. And yet, do that not as the pagans do who have no hope. As individuals, and as a, a, a body, as a, a family of God, we, we must, we must absolutely remember that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but have everlasting life. We must remember that while we were still sinners, wrapped up in, in, in hatred, wrapped up in our own sin, wrapped up in our own agendas. We must remember that while we were still sinners, yet Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. And maybe one of the most difficult lessons to remember. We must remember that Jesus called us to be peacemakers. I don't know about you, but that may be the most difficult lesson that Jesus ever taught. Because what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Talking about just peace and, and tranquil moments, I think that's the end result. Peacemaking, while it sounds easy and light and tranquil, it requires difficult work on the front end. It means that, that you and I as followers of Christ, we must, if we are going to call ourselves Christians, and, and this, there's no option to this, if we must call ourselves Christians, or if we call ourselves Christians, we must be willing to step into difficult situations. We must step in and 
do our very best with the help of God to offer peace. We must do what we can to diffuse heated situations. It means that we must pray and we must pray and we must pray. We must wage spiritual warfare. It means that we must remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of of darkness and the evil one. We must remember what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, when he commanded us to rejoice always and pray without ceasing. And so now for just four minutes, I would like us to to pray together. We're going to pray from Psalm 74. And then we're also going to pray from from Psalm 125. And in just a minute, our our children are going to, to rejoin us as we Commune together, united as, as one people. One people united around the, the body of, of Christ. One people who have bought and, and paid for by the blood of Jesus. One people who have the hope of salvation and eternal life and forgiveness. Because of the death and the burial and the, and the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. And so as I've said on on many occasions, the book of Psalms is the the prayer book of the church, and we've spent several weeks talking about that recently, and as I was thinking about things this morning, and as I was determining to to put aside my sermon because I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to do this, I felt that it was only appropriate to go to the, the Psalms of Lament. Those psalms that are the complaining psalms. The psalms where the the psalmist speaks of of injustice and and evil and and takes those things and and places them before God. They don't have a a confident conclusion, but they leave the prayer with God and they they leave the decisions up to God. And so now from Psalm 74, let us us lament together on behalf of our land. Oh God, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you acquired long ago, which you redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage. Remember Mount Zion, where you came to dwell. Direct your steps to the perpetual ruins the enemy has destroyed, everything in the sanctuary. 
Your foes have roared within your holy place. They set up emblems there. At the upper entrance, they hacked the wooden trellis with axes. And then with hatchets and hammers, they smashed all of its carved woods. They set your sanctuary on fire. They desecrated the dwelling place of your name, bringing it to the ground. They said to themselves, we will utterly subdue them. They burned all the meeting places of God in the land. We do not see our emblems. There is no longer any prophet. There is no one among us who knows how long. How long, O God, is the foe to scoff? Is the enemy to revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand? Why do you keep your hand in your bosom? Yet God, my King, is from old, working salvation in the earth. You divided the sea by your might. You broke off the heads of the dragons in the waters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan and you gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness. You cut openings for springs and torrents. You dried up ever-flowing streams. Yours is the day and yours also is the night. You established the luminaries in the sun. You have fixed all the bounds of the earth. You made summer and winter. Remember this, O Lord, how the enemy scoffs and how an impious people reviles your name. Do not deliver the soul of your dove to the wild animals. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. Have regard for your covenant. For the dark places of the land are full of the haunts of violence. Do not let the downtrodden be put to shame. Let the poor and the needy praise your name. Rise up, O God. Plead your cause. Remember how the impious scoff at you all day long. Do not forget the clamor of your foes. The uproar of your adversaries that goes up continually. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not let rest on the land allotted to the righteousness. 
so that the righteous might not stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O God, to those who are good and help those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their own crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Holy Father, I can only imagine how grieved in heart that you are when you look at the things that are going on in our land right now. I can only imagine the the sorrow that we have brought to you. Father, we have seen a week that has been filled with hatred, with violence in in, in many, many forms. We need you, God. Father, I spent a lot of time this week thinking about my children. And wondering what kind of world they will grow up in. Father, I've I've thought about their children. And what the world was like then. God, all that I could, could muster at one point in this week was come, Lord Jesus. Because I don't want to live in a world like this. Our people, I don't think anyone wants to live in a world like this. A world that is, is gone wrong. A world that is full of evil. A world that is full of racial prejudice and hatred. A world that's full of injustice. God, we need Jesus. And Father, I'm I'm convinced that the reason why Jesus has not come back is because You have us here, Your church, You have us here for a purpose. And that purpose is to bring love. That purpose is for us to, to be peacemakers. And so God, I don't, I don't even know what that means for every person but I pray that You will give us 
discernment when it comes time. I pray that when it, there is a situation that arises that is in need of peace, Father, that you will, will prompt us from your spirit and you will equip us from heaven to, to step into those situations and to bring peace and to speak life and love and mercy into the lives of those that we interact with. Father, I want to pray for the families of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile. I pray that you would comfort them during this time. Father, I want to pray for the officers that are involved in these incidences as well. I want to pray for the families of the officers that were slain For Lorne, Orens, Michael Smith, Michael Kroll, Patrick, Zemarpia, and Brett Thompson. Father, I want to pray for the family of Micah Xavier Johnson, who took the lives of those men. Father, I pray that you will comfort these people. I pray, God, in the end, that goodness will come from them, that peace will come from this. Father, I pray against racial hatred and inequality. I pray against the violence in our nation right now. Father, your word tells us that you hate, you hate hands that shed innocent blood. Let us not be those people. Let us not be the ones that perpetuate it with our words and our actions. Have mercy on us, O oh God. Heal our land. Father, help us to help us to see and to know individuals. Father, I think it's when we take the time to, to get to know someone, Father, that in those moments you, you strip away whatever prejudices, whatever walls we put up. Help us to love more. Help us to serve more. Help us to be more merciful and, and compassionate. God, help us to see, to, to really see 
that others are created in your image. Revive us again. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Jesus invites us all to join him around his table.